Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Racism, killing, false accusations, and mistaken identity. A bad mixture and the trouble they can cause. What's done about it and what's not done about it. Plus, on a much lighter note, the NFL's Final Four is all set. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, so let's start with the far more serious situation. As I said, racism, killing, false accusations, mistaken identity. A very bad mix can cause an awful lot of damage. And my question is, what's done about it and what's not done about it? Now, the reason I bring this up, and it's been shocking to me for the past couple of weeks... There was that awful story coming from Houston, Texas, December 30th. Lovely little girl, seven-year-old, Jasmine Barnes, driving with her mom and sisters in the car, in their car, on an early Sunday morning. And the car drives by, shoots into the car, and kills seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes. Just an awful, heartbreaking story. Awful story. Happened in Houston, Texas. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. I mean, your heart breaks. Shit like that should never happen to nobody. I don't care if it's seven years old or 70 years old. But when it's an innocent child, it just rips your soul out. I remember my wife and I, when we saw it, like we were sick to our stomachs. It's like, oh, crap, here here we go again with nonsense. And there was a description of the suspected killer, the suspected shooter. He was in a red pickup truck, supposedly in a red pickup truck. White, blue eyes. Okay? And uh, in fact, 
one of the girls, one of the sisters in the car, Jasmine's sister, and other people in the car, gave a description to the um, person who was making the sketch. And when they saw the sketch, they told the sketcher, that's it. You got it. That's it. And one of the sisters said, oh, yeah, you you know, look, the car drove, you know, made eye contact with the person. All right? So that's what they were looking for. Lo and behold, that white guy with blue eyes in the red pickup truck, was not the shooter. It was not the shooter. Days later, subsequently, the shooter was arrested. A black man. There were two black men in the car. Now, I don't care if it's white or black. It's a terrible, 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 Terrible thing to happen to anybody. It should not happen. But here's what disgusts me on this. When it happened, and it was alleged to be a white man in a red pickup shooting an innocent seven-year-old child was African-American. It was leading the news. It was front page. It was a major story. You know why that pisses me off? And I, I, listen, folks, you've heard me here before. I'm not naive. I know the race problems in our country. But what pisses me off, race and hate crimes sell. It sells on the news, it sells on the radio, it sells on TV, it sells the newspapers. Makes for great headlines. If it's white on white, or if it's black on black, it's not as sexy. You have a seven-year-old child dead. That's first and foremost. That's the tragedy. So make no mistake about it. I don't want that to get lost in this discussion. But this has been eating me up for a good week ever since the real shooter was arrested. It's like a non-story. A man was falsely accused. And don't give me this shit that it was simply mistaken identity. Because the family said, and and listen, it's the heartbreak that no family should have to go through. You understand? No family should have to go through that. But you know what also no family should have to go through? That somebody in their family is wrongly accused of such a heinous crime as killing a seven-year-old child. Nobody was taken to task over that. 
Where where's all the the protesters? You, you know, the girl's mom, La Portia Washington, was at a big rally in um in Houston. And needless to say, a lot of people came up, came out. And well, they should have. It's a terrible, terrible story. Terrible story. And and a lot of the people, as you could understand, because there has been certainly racial profiling in this country. You got to be naive if you don't think that happens. But, you know, there were a ton of African-American people at that rally. You don't think they were riled up and pissed off? And understandably so, because a seven-year-old African-American child was murdered. And for no apparent reason, then when they hear a white person was suspected as the shooter, it certainly sounds like a race hate crime. So let's think about that for a second. Let's think about if this man in the red pickup truck, this white guy, who the sister said, yeah, we made eye contact. You made eye contact? That's a lie. You didn't make eye contact. Suppose a mob, understandably so, saw that man in that red pickup truck, dragged him out of the car, and beat the shit out of him. How, how's that for justice? Would, would that have been justice? It certainly was going to bring back little Jasmine Barnes. And don't tell me just mistaken identity. Again, the heartbreak of losing a child, I can't fathom it. Okay? It's, it's, it's disgusting, you know, for something like that to happen. But I did not hear once. I've, I've, listen, I remember the first time I read about it, instead of being on a front page, I believe in local papers in New York, I believe it was page 20 in the Daily News and page 15 in the Post or vice versa. I guarantee you, if it would have remained a white on black or the flip side, black on white, would have been much bigger because race sells. And that is absolutely disgusting and despicable. The attorney uh, for uh, the Jasmine Barnes family, the mom's name is LaPortia uh, Washington. The attorney's name is Lee Merritt. This was the attorney, okay? Uh, he, he believed, you know, the shooting could be race-related. No other motivation but race. I quote, This is attorney Lee Merritt. There was no other justification or motivation that the family could identify other than a white male who was a complete stranger to them decided to target their family. 
And obviously, when you hear something like this, your heart breaks. And to people's credit, Shaquille O'Neal paid for or is paying for the young girl's funeral. Step forward to pay for the funeral. Houston Texans outstanding wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins pledged uh, his playoff check to help family find, uh, you, you know, go ahead in the investigation. All right. So, and I give them credit. It's a wonderful thing for them to step forward. But this was not a race-related killing. And it just, to me, this false accusation and mistaken identity got swept under the rug. And like I say, I, I can't imagine my family, your family, any family having to go through something like that. And I don't care if it's the heartbreak of a mom or a daughter or or a a sister. But to say you made eye contact and describe the individual to the, the sketcher and, and say that, yeah, that's it. We got him. That's more than mistaken identity. That's just not true. So you you can call it what you want. Uh, here's a quote from the Portia Washington. It wasn't a figment. She's talking about her, her daughter who described the man. It wasn't a, figure, a figment of her imagination because when we looked at the cameras, they saw the red pickup truck and the gentleman in it was a white guy. Whoa. You saw the cameras, but you told on camera, you told people, told the public. You made eye contact. So so, something's not right here. The sister said, you look in somebody's car and make eye contact. They said it looked like a a white man with blue eyes, so skinny he looked sick. I mean, this is quotes from the family. Well, how'd they get that? Don't don't tell me just because a red pickup truck happened to drive by. See, that's let's let's not sweep this mistaken identity under the rug. The point I'm trying to make, folks, is we have a country. You've heard me talk about it from NFL nonsense to everything that becomes ripped apart with racial um, disharmony. What the hell do you think this does? I was reading today, what was it, um, you know, Maroon 5, uh, Adam Levine, they've agreed to perform at halftime. Good for Adam Levine not succumbing to pressure by the entertainment industry that he shouldn't perform. Travis Scott and Big Boy are also going to be performing. African-Americans. 
I, I'm reading that Michael B. Jordan, the actor, and Reverend Sharpton were displeased about it, trying to get them not to. Well, you know what? Where's where where's Al Sharpton? Uh, you, you know, I mean, uh, you know, he he took those rides to places like Ferguson and what, and understandably so. Why isn't somebody talking into the, the black community saying, people, we can't be doing this to ourselves? It's because of this stupidity. An innocent girl was killed, and, and it, makes, uh, it makes it more difficult for us. It gives reason why rape, racial profiling happens. Where are, the, where are the leaders of that community stepping forward to saying, come on, guys, come on, people, let's shape up. Not a peep. Not a peep. But listen, I am not putting this just on leaders of the African-American community. I'm putting it on everybody, in particular the media. White media, black media, all media. How come this, each and every one, gets swept? How, how come this is swept under the rug? I do not understand this. I think it's some of the most, it's one of the most disgraceful things I have ever heard of. And I do this podcast once a week. And I've been waiting for something to happen. For an issue to be made about this. I mean, I want you all to think about this. I don't care if you're white, black, blue, or green. Think about this for one second. How you would feel there's, there's two ways to think about it. One, how God forbid losing a seven-year-old child would rip your soul out. And the other point to think about, how you would feel if you were accused, wrongly accused, call it wrongly accused, mistaken identity, whatever the hell you want to freaking call it, if you were wrongly accused of being the killer of such a seven-year-old child. How would that make you and your family feel? I don't think there's any doubt. So tell me how it is. I, I, I don't know how. I mean, to me, this tells me that just how much fa- much more work this country needs because here was African American family suffered the tragedy of losing a child but you're talking about you made eye contact white guy skinny looking sick you made eye contact with two black guys in a car and not a red pickup truck See, initially it was said, well, okay, the red pickup truck, you know, could have been mistaken identity because it could have driven past and, you know, that's what they thought. Okay, a, a car driving past. 
But once it came out that made eye contact and you give a sketch, that's not, as they say, not kosher. It's just terrible. Nothing gets done. This activist, he calls himself an activist. To me, he's nothing but a race baiter. Sean King he used to write for the for the Daily News. Um, you know, uh, I, I, he he's as much a race baiter as any white cracker redneck is a race baiter. Just is. But, you know, initially he wanted to spearhead to raise $100,000 for a reward. Okay? So they did that. All right. And then he goes, because of him, uh, allegedly, apparently because of King, that he got a tip or something that he gave to the police that uh, it was, they got the shooters. The real shooter. But, you know, his answer was, this is Sean King, when Jasmine Barnes was killed, I pledged to find who killed her. We did that. I wonder if he would have pledged $100,000 if he didn't think initially what everybody else thought, that it was a white guy. See, see, that's where race is all fucked up in this country. It really is. It's disgusting. Th- this entire story sickens me. And like I said, you know, you got people breaking Adam Levine's <laughs> big boy and, and, and uh, Travis Scott, you're breaking their balls because they're going to perform at halftime of the Super Bowl. Really? But I, mean, I got Jay-Z and every. Where are all they? Where is the outrage? Not just that a seven-year-old girl was killed, but where's the outrage that people were wrongly accused? Can I please have an answer? Because I can't figure this out for the life of me. I mean, it, it it's just despicable. And I'm telling you, I hold all media. White, black, blue, green, purple, chartreuse, whatever, yellow. Yellow's the right color. Yellow in terms of being gutless. Because when it comes to selling race and hate and all that, man, front page, let's let's play this sucker up big time. But now, wait a minute, it's two black guys. Oh, shit. Now the story's not as sexy as it should be. Oh, this really screws everything up. Ah, we can't do marches, we can't do protests. Listen, across this country, from here in New York City to across the United States to Chicago to Compton, L.A., 
How many terrible drive-by shootings have there been? Okay, innocent child, innocent black children killed. And we've seen people in New York protest, and I, I, God bless them. Where are all the the the, the leaders of the community? Where, where's Reverend Al today? Where's Sharpton? A seven-year-old child was murdered. Where's the outrage? I can assure you the outrage would be far greater if the killer was white. Doesn't matter if the killer was white, black, blue, green, whatever. A child is dead. Nothing's bringing back Jasmine Barnes. Nothing. But having said that, nothing can make it right to be wrongly accused. Nothing can make that right. Again, I will say, I I watched the interview. We, We made eye contact. You gave a sketch of a white guy. That can't, that's not mistaken identity. If you tell me, uh, Russ Salzberg just got accused of uh, running somebody over. Oh, yeah, no, no, it, it certainly looked like Russ. But then they found a real person who was 400 pounds driving a car. I mean, come on. There's mistakes and there's flat-out falsehoods and lies. And I'm sorry. My heart breaks for the family. It's a terrible thing. Nothing, not my words here, not your family's tears are going to bring little Jasmine Barnes back. But wrong, bad, dangerous information was given out. Falsehoods were given out. Everybody wanted to jump in because they thought it was a hate crime. This terrible girl was killed, this and that. You know, I don't have the names in front of me. Actors, actresses getting involved, wanting to get involved. We've got to do something. Everybody needs to look in the mirror. When, when, when something like this happens, everybody needs to look in the mirror. Would you have all demanded to be involved if it was black on black and if it wasn't white on black and it wasn't a suspected race crime? A lot of hypocrisy going on here. A lot of hypocrisy. And it's disgraceful. Speaking of hypocrisy, did you notice uh, LeBron James at the Rams game, uh, uh, Rams-Cowboys game, Saturday night in L.A.? Yeah, that, isn't that the same LeBron James I was talking about uh, last couple of weeks, two weeks ago? Yeah, that's the same LeBron James complaining about the NFL uh, run by old white men with slave mentality. I wonder if LeBron had to pay for those tickets from the NFL or if he, you know, went in as a celeb. Talking about hypocrisy. 
All right. That's uh, like I say, folks, that story just disgusts me. I think it's disgraceful. And uh, like I say, nothing's bringing back little Jasmine Barnes. But when, when, when that's more than mistaken identity, that's flat out bullshit. Flat out bullshit. That's a fabricated false accusation. Flat out bullshit. But having said that, there is no bullshit now left. Four teams. The final four is set for the NFL. And you know what? It's way it's the way you kind of wanted it to be. One and two in the AFC facing off against each other. One and two in the NFC facing off against each other. New England against traveling to Kansas City. Patriots to face the Chiefs. Can you imagine? Tom Brady's going, oh, my God. He's looking to go to his ninth Super Bowl. And it's going to be the Rams uh, traveling to New Orleans to visit the Saints. And I think the NFL, well, I know the NFL gets what it wants in the fact that you're getting two great games. I mean, these can't be clunkers because the NFL certainly got themselves a boatload of clunkers over the past weekend. I mean, those divisional games sucked. The first three were awful. I mean, they basically were just about non-competitive. Kansas City rolled the Colts. The Rams rolled the Cowboys. The the Patriots, they didn't roll the Chargers. They pissed all over the Chargers. I mean, that was a, a thorough embarrassment. That was bad for the NFL. I mean, three games. You know what? I always say this. The best part, if one of your teams are not in all these games, the fun part, and I'll say this to you, Chris, the fun part about it is you can sit back and watch. You don't have a rooting interest, so you're not on spilkers. You're not eating your insides out. You're just having a good time watching the games. Those games sucked. The only good game was the Saints-Eagles game. The only good game was the Saints-Eagles game. I mean, listen, and I give the Eagles full credit, boy. They went in and punched the top seed. This was an eight seed against the one seed. Punched them right in the mouth. Go go up 14-0 right away in the first quarter. In the Superdome. I mean, that you could have knocked me over a feather. I, I did not believe what I was watching. And then, you know, to the Saints' credit, I got to give them full marks because they came up with some big plays. I mean, first, Sean Payton uh, had the balls, and it was a ballsy call to go for a a fake punt, you know, on his own 35-yard line when you're already down 14-0. I mean, let me tell you something. That was a big deal. And then... That was an even bigger deal than him going for it for the touchdown on fourth and goal at the one-yard line. 
because if if you screw up at the one yard line, at least you're leaving them on the one yard line. Maybe a defense makes a play or something. But you screw up at that juncture, you got a chance of you know really going flat on your ass and being down twenty one nothing. And then after that, the Saints rolled. I mean, you know. Chicago, uh, I'm in good shape. Uh, The Eagles didn't score again. But I thought, I I thought Sean Payton, uh, it's, I guess, I understand the thinking. He was up 20 to 14, okay? And he goes, he sends in a guy, Lutz, his kicker, to make a uh, 52-yard field goal. And I understand the logic. They were up six. So if he kicks the field goal, they're up nine with like three minutes, a little less than three minutes to go. Game's over. They, You know, you got to, you know, takes two scoring plays. Game's over. But here's the but. If you don't make that field goal, which the Saints did not get, then you give the Eagles a short field to work with, which is exactly what the Eagles were doing. And let me tell you, I mean, they were what were they, what were they down at the twenty-five yard line, whatever the hell it was, and that ball went right through Alshon Jeffrey's hands into a Saints defensive back. Game over. I'm telling you, that was on the verge of being a major upset. Now, coulda, woulda, shoulda, it didn't happen. Now, I understand Sean Payton going for that. But here's my my logic on that. You go for it if you're up. You go for the field goal if you're up by seven. Because if you're up by seven, unless they... If they score a touchdown, and and unless they go for the two points, you can't lose. It's a tie. And believe me, in that juncture, if they come back down, they're not going for two points. They they would go to tie the game. But by doing for it with your up six, you're allowing yourself to get beat on this possession is what the Saints did. I, I thought that was a mistake. But it was a very exciting game, and I give uh, I give the Eagles a lot of credit. It was a very you're talking about an eight seed going in taking care of business, and they almost did that. So now you got a couple of key matchups. The first game is going to be the Rams Saints. The night game will be uh, New England Kansas City. My gut feeling is. I think the Rams are going to prevail in the first game over the Saints. Now, that's saying a lot because they got to go into New Orleans and beat the Saints in their own building, which is a killer place to play. But here's my thinking on that. First of all, the Rams are very, very good. But the one thing that people are not talking about this game, uh, the Saints-Eagles game, 
you know, the Eagles went into New Orleans and held the high-powered Saints to just 20 points. Held them to just 20 points. The Rams are a lot better team. I, I just believe the Rams can go in and take care of business. Now, I will say this. Um, not that they – I can't imagine when, when you hear teams, well, somebody say, well, that was a wake-up call. I can't imagine, you know, Sean Payton's team and a guy like Drew Brees, they needed a wake-up call. But they're going to be up for this game, but just as the Rams. I, my gut feeling is the Rams go and take care of business. Now, moving to the AFC game. Great game. Uh, Tom Brady, greatest of all time. Hard to dispute that. And watching him perform this past Sunday, he he didn't look like he was uh, slowing down. You know, not too much at all. So you got him going against a Kansas City Chiefs team. You know, we talk about the tale of two quarterbacks, but the quarterbacks don't face each other on the field. Patty Mahomes is just tremendous. He he should be the MVP of the league this year. Uh, Chiefs quarterback. But it's the Chiefs defense that has to deal with Brady. And the Chiefs, for whatever reason, the Chiefs defense plays much better at home than on the road, I believe is the case. And let me tell you something. That's the night game. It starts at 640 Eastern time. So that means it starts 40, starts at 540 Kansas City time. And uh, it's going to be cold. For lack of a better term, you're going to freeze your balls off if you're going to, to, to see the Chiefs game. Now, I'm not saying... Listen, you play in Gillette Stadium in November, December, you freeze your ass off there too. So, the, you know, the weather is – weather's going to affect both teams. You just, you know, wonder how cold it could be in Kansas City. But the weather will affect both teams. You know, could affect throwing a ball, could affect catching a ball. Um, I am – People are going to say, and understandably so, well, you know, Brady's got all the experience. Mahomes is just the second season. And I get that. And there's no replacement. There's no substitute for experience. But Patty Mahomes, uh, he, he looks like a young man who can handle all the heat. I don't, I don't think the game or the moment will prove to be too big for Pat Mahomes. So that's my picks, folks. Kansas City prevails in the AFC, the LA Rams in the NFC, and it's going to be a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl 53 down in Atlanta. And right now, that is a wrap on... The goings on here. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. 
And now, as always, I like to get a load of you. Let me know how you feel and your thoughts on today's podcast. You can let me know on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg. On Facebook, you can also visit my website. Real simple for you. It's russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man. Always with me, Crash, who takes such good care of me, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano. To um, my very fine OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einickel. To uh, Craig Schwab, 77 WABC Program Director. To Matt Dahl, 77 WABC Assistant Program Director. And last but certainly not least, you guys out there. Because without you guys, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. room is where you make life's most beautiful memories but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them the new life resistant high performance furniture collection from ashley is designed to withstand all the spills slip-ups and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life ashley high performance sofas and recliners are soft on trend and easy to clean shop the high performance furniture in store online at ashley.com ashley for the love of home You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.